Well, we're going to start this morning um, with a question. So you need your, it's actually a statement that you're going to either agree, strongly agree to strongly disagree with. So you need your phone. I'm not going to be able to explain this because I'm the only one in the room who doesn't know how to do it. But I see you all doing it. And for those online or who don't have um, uh, a way to do this, the statement that you're looking at is this. It says, I received consistent, life-giving, verbal blessing from my parent or parents or caregiver or caregivers as a child. So consistent, life-giving, verbal blessing. Those of you who are sitting next to your parents, right? You're not going <laughs> to. We know how that goes. OK, so strongly agree David is one. Is that right? No, the opposite. OK, strongly disagree is one. So it looks like the most is four, so agree. And then we have a kind of spread throughout. Oh, more doing it. So that fourth one is growing. Everyone get it in? All right. What prompted me to ask the question um, was something that Sean shared just a minute ago. So I attended the fifth grade graduation just a couple weeks ago, and several of our kids, some of whom have been attending sanctuary now for most of their lives and others not as long, um, were graduating from the kids' wing and would be moving into our upper grades class and just finding their place in the church as a whole. And this is not in itself uh, that remarkable, and we do this every year. It's a tradition that we've had for a while that Leanne inherited from Amy Kraber, but my experience was really remarkable. So there were six kids present, um, some that couldn't make it, um, and after some opening remarks from Leanna, the kids' wing director, where she basically welcomed everyone, um, told the kids how proud she was of them, celebrated their accomplishment, and then she invited each family to stand by their kids, um, and each family was given the opportunity to bless their child in front of a roomful of uh, teachers who the kids would have been familiar with and uh, friends. So I've gotten for permission from the families to share a little bit of my experience. The Kraber family went first, so some of you know who they are. Amy, who's the mom, describes um, how people in our community, she said, have cared for you, Zelfia played with you, answered your questions with you, wondered with you, to this day surround you. And she's looking in her daughter's eyes as she's saying this, right? And she's saying, Zelfia, you are resilient. You are kind. You are funny. You are brave. And she was only talking for about a minute when Zelfia starts crying, which starts a cascade of tears throughout the room. And Zelfia was blessed not only by 
her mom and dad, but also her older sister, Evelyn, who had her arms around her um, the whole time, said some words at the end and specifically says to her younger sister, Zelfia, you are great. And when it was time for Zelfia um, to, to go on beyond Zelfia, who now had a Kleenex box in her lap, she unconsciously passed the Kleenex box to the next person. And tears were just a part of the event. So fun memories, touching stories, profound sentiments were shared. Sean Cornelli, who just shared with us a moment ago, said to Lenora with so much tenderness, he said, honey, as, as you get older, mom and I will have less and less influence in your life, and any plans that we have for you will diminish and ultimately will be replaced by helping you with your own ideas and being invited into your world as you forge your own path. Parent after parent spoke tender words of love and blessing to their kids. Vanessa Hughes said through tears, I honestly did not expect to become emotional, but I can still remember dropping you off for the first time as a toddler, Hugo. I prayed for you, and I prayed for your teachers. One of our moms was so emotional um, that it was hard for her to begin. It, and it took her um, a while just to get her words of love and blessing out. And all I'm thinking this whole time is not only that these families love their young people, but these young people know it and they are fortified with blessing and public blessing at that. So Tom and I went to lunch um, right after this graduation um, celebration. We went with another couple in the church, and as we're waiting for our food, I begin to tell a story like I just did now, and I was still a little bit emotional as I'm describing the words that these people are saying, the parents, family members are saying, and they're looking right in their child's eye. And, and, and um, as I'm saying it, and as I'm emotional, I think in unison, all three of them said, I don't remember ever being blessed by my parents in that way. I don't remember ever a moment like that. And we saw our graph and the way it, it kind of uh, showed up in each, in each number. And what they weren't saying is that their parent didn't love them or sacrifice for them or spend time with them or support their activities. But what they were saying is that they don't remember, they didn't remember a time of their parents looking in their eyes and articulating what is special about them, celebrating them with words, and certainly not doing that publicly. Well, early on in the formation of Israel as God's giving law to this group of former, uh, recently freed slaves and nomads, it says this in Exodus 34. And God passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, 
the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet, God does not leave the guilty unpunished. God punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. I think if we were going to get to the heart of what was meant here, we might read it like this. And God passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, giving continual blessing to all, forgiving violence, rebellion, harm. Yet human behavior is not without consequence. Harmful adult actions are experienced by children and their children to the third and fourth generation. So maybe we could sum it up this way. While God's nature is continual and ongoing blessing, there is a lot of trauma in life that has very real and long-term consequences. So Jan Powers, who some of you know and has attended our church for many years now and currently is attending at a distance as a professor at Creighton College, she's done some research on what is called trauma-informed care, which is what it sounds like, caring for people while being aware of the traumas that they've suffered. And her research, which is built largely on something called ACEs, um, some of you are familiar with that, adverse childhood experience, her research, along with others now, reveals a strong correlation of what we would expect between childhood trauma and the risk of lifelong physical and mental um, health issues. So research that confirms what our text has been telling us for hundreds of years now. And Jan says one way that researchers are thinking about this is that when someone's behavior offends you, our default way of thinking is what's wrong with you? And ACEs invites us to shift our thinking to what happened to you. Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Bruce Perry have brought this concept recently, or uh, mainstream just recently with their new book, which is titled, entitled, What Happened to You? Oprah and Perry, and so Dr. Perry is a neuroscientist and he's a psychiatrist. They've had relationship for about 30 years now working together. Um, but they say, when you're feeling kind of crazy and you messed, messed up, and we say to ourselves, oh my gosh, What's wrong with me? Why did I do that? Why did I say that? I can't believe I just... Or when we notice someone else who's completely out of control and making us crazy or acting in ways that, that we think are less than healthy rather than wondering what is wrong with that person or why are you being such a... and, and, and fill in the blank. We are asking the question compassionately, what happened that made us the way that we are? What experiences and especially what traumas have we had that explain our reactions and our responses? So the Bible, especially early on, is filled with stories of children being traumatized by their parents. Abraham is about to sacrifice 
his young son Isaac, which would be traumatic, and we see Isaac depicted as weak and ineffectual as an adult. Jacob favors Joseph over all his brothers and sets in place a huge mess that ends up uh, uh, for good, um, but not before his enraged brothers sell him into slavery. King Saul traumatizes his son Jonathan by trying to... I have never had this mic give me this much difficult. Uh, King Saul traumatizes his son Jonathan by trying to kill Jonathan's best friend again and again and again, who, as circumstances would have it, would become the next king. Today, on top of the normal stressors and traumas that our children face, we have just spent two and a half years in a global pandemic and mental health issues among our children have skyrocketed. I was in a, at an event um, uh, about a week ago, and there happened to be a woman there who was a school counselor at one of our uh, grammar schools. And she described, she said, there is no way I can get to the number of kids who are making appointments with me right now, not in a timely fashion. So therapists hold space for kids as they're ready and able to name um, their traumas and begin that um, sometimes lifelong process of healing from our traumas. But a big theme in Jan's research and in Oprah and Dr. Perry's book is that positive experience and words of blessing or artic articulating just how amazing our children are can do a lot to mitigate the harm we've experienced. Oprah specifically says the line, many, many words of blessing over and over through the course of our lives can heal or mitigate the impact of trauma. So what I want to do with the rest of our time is look briefly at how God the parent blessed Jesus, the child, throughout his life and see how we might make this applicable. So psychologists have long said that the first two months of our life, any of you who have babies, the first two months of our life are probably the most vulnerable, most, where we're the most impacted by trauma. We uh, tend to remember the ones much later than that, but that's when we're the most vulnerable. So you picture Mary, who's pregnant as a young girl, alone in her confusion, Joseph, who intends to divorce her, but she stays or changes his direction um, because of an angel. Giving birth is fraught. There is the long walk from Nazareth to Bethlehem at the end of pregnancy. And I sometimes hear people say, well, she was probably on a donkey, and I'm convinced that those people are men, because having been nine months pregnant five times, it is not a cakewalk on a donkey, I'm sure. <laughs> We know the story that there's no place at the inn. Mary gives birth where she can, and then Jesus is born, and Herod, the narcissist king, goes nuts, threatened uh, by a new king. Herod decrees that all babies two years old and under are to be killed. Jesus' birth is ensconced in trauma. He is traumatized, Mary's traumatized, but God pours out blessing immediately in the form of wise men and shepherds and two prophets, Simeon and Anna, who can see this baby and name this baby. And twice 
and probably most importantly for Jesus. Twice in his ministry, God shouts out from the heavens, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And these words spoken publicly, God is saying, I claim you. I'm proud of you. You are of me. You are from me. And you delight me. All of who you are, all of what you give yourself to, I'm thrilled with you. And I wonder if in Jesus' darker moments, if maybe he repeats these words that he's heard from God. Maybe as he's walking to the cross, he hears, Jesus, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. Maybe as he breathes his last, he's feeling the delight of God. These are precisely the type of words spoken in our fifth grade graduation. These are words of blessing that name us and affirm our worth and go a distance in healing us. So I have four quick thoughts on how to apply this to us today. So number one is take a moment right now and um, try to note your comfort level in giving blessings like this as a regular part of life. Like, maybe this isn't something you grew up with. Ask yourself, have I cultivated vocabulary and fluency with this? Giving and receiving blessing like this is intimate, and even in our marriage, Tom and I have grown in our ability to linger as we celebrate, as we articulate who each other is. It was harder right? in the beginning, harder when we're younger. Physical or acts of physical intimacy, even roughhousing with our kids, which is wonderful, can be easier than using words to articulate our love and name who our kids are. It takes comfort with ourselves. It takes healthy self-definition, differentiation, to be able to comfortably articulate our love, even to the people closest to us. So Tom and I have had a lot of practice now um, over a lot of years. And even though we get better at it, it never gets old. Honestly, I never get tired of articulating to my husband who I see him to be, why I love him, why I think he's great, what he means to me. And it is always healing for me to be on the receiving end of that. So ask yourself, how comfortable are you with emotional intimacy? How easy it, is it for you to express your love to your friends, your partners, your kids? How easy is it for you to bless others? And if you want a take home, and this would be a great idea, right now, choose three people. There's three people to bless this week. And take a moment with those three people and articulate your love. Bless them 
Name them. Say something about why you love them that's specific and concrete. See how it goes? Maybe it'll be awkward. At the very least, you'll have made people quite happy. Number two, use celebrations as an excuse for blessing. Birthdays can be a time where you go around the table and just invite each person present to say something about the celebrant, what they see, why they love, or like, we've done this for years. And you know, it, it gets kind of repetitive. We have the same five kids, we've been doing it every year, now we have their five partners that we do it with. So, so the same things tend to be said, and I sort of think it's going to get old, but I look at my kids each time, and it means so much, and suddenly there's random hugs being given around the table that wouldn't necessarily happen like this. And their siblings don't just naturally walk up to them all the time and say, by the way, I've noticed this about you. I really appreciate this quality about you. Mom modeled that so well that I'm going to regularly do it with you. <laughs> we gave our kids coming-of-age celebrations when they were 13, and of course this was familiar to me because I was bas mitzvahed um, as a child, and bas mitzvah actually means daughter of blessing, so that's kind of what a coming-of-age celebration is for, and we had three rituals that we did for our kids' coming-of-age ceremonies. Um, the first one was we had and helped each child prepare um, something that they would say of what coming, of becoming 13, coming of age in that sense, meant for them, and, and just some words of appreciation for the people who were present because they chose who would be present for them, who, who meant something to them in their lives thus far. And number two, each person would be invited, and they had advance notice that we'll, you'll be asked or invited to share something, how you see this kid, and to, to name them in that way, and to bless them. And this is the part where there were a lot of tears that was really meaningful. And then the third thing that we did, and I don't know how we started doing this or why we started doing it, but one parent for each kid, in our case, we gendered it, but you certainly don't have to, uh, as our last ritual would take off the necklace that we've been wearing, and we took that necklace and we'd put it on our 13-year-old child and say some version of everything that God's put in me. I give to you. All that I have is yours. Bless you, honey. Essentially, their um, coming-of-age celebration was our way of publicly saying, you are our child. We are well-pleased. We wanted the heavens parted to announce that for our kids. As we enact these rituals, we model this particular kind of intimacy so our kids can experience this as normal and internalize the process so that they can learn the vocabulary of intimacy so that they can comfortably pass along blessing. And finally, number three, like loving our neighbors, I talked a few weeks ago about um, the command to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. And we said, well, that's good news if you love yourself. Because the thing is, it's true. We will love our neighbors as we love ourselves. 
And if we don't love ourselves very well, then we're limited in how well we can love anyone else. And I think it's the same thing with blessing. We have to be able to bless ourselves. Um, and many of us haven't grown up with that being I, the notion that that's a good thing to actually be able to bless ourselves. But if we can't, then our blessings will eventually seem insincere, inconsistent. So much of therapy is learning how to say, 80, I love you. I think you're great. I love who you are becoming. I love these things about you. I want to celebrate, right? I want to celebrate being me. That's what we're doing in therapy. We're getting healing from our traumas. That's what we're doing when we're blessing people. We're taking away the obstacles that stop them from being able to look in a mirror and say, you are great. I celebrate you. Uh, the more we do this, arguably and maybe counterintuitively, the more humble we actually become because the less we need from others to tell us who we are because we just are who we are. We're living comfortably from that place and that space of being who we are and the more we can freely then give that away. And finally, number four, I just want to circle back to our kids. And I want to acknowledge how much our kids have to deal with, right, in the world today. What we have to warn our children about. Their brains haven't developed enough to handle it. We just don't have a choice, right? What we have to inform our children about, they're not ready for. They just don't have a choice. It's tough to make it through all our years of schooling without some bullying or being on the outside of some clique that you wanted to be on the inside of that feels so rejecting and so hard. And of course, COVID and all that has meant for many, many of our kids. We, as their parents and caregivers and community, we do our best and we are still human. I am super grateful that Leanna carries on the tradition that Amy set in place years ago to bless our children. I am grateful that every Sunday morning, loving volunteers and paid staff alike are giving their time to that end. Beyond anything else, the mission of Sanctuary's uh, Kids Wing is to love and bless our kids. If that's all they get by time they're done. I was loved week after week after week after week. People spoke words of love to me. They told me who I was. They named my gifts. They saw the sparkle in my eye. They said I was creative. They said, wow, I wonder why you chose that. And they wondered with me. Let us be a community who, above all else, cares for and blesses our kids. Hey. We're running late, so we're going to do this, but I want to do it anyway, so give me one minute. Um, we're going to do a quick exercise. So 
For those of you who are comfortable closing your eyes, close your eyes, but however you get into a posture of prayer, and you can picture yourself any age at all, um, and in any context at all, the only thing I ask is either be alone or be in the memory or moment you're picturing, be with only safe people. And then you have a choice. Either see Jesus walk up to you and begin to bless you with words and hear what Jesus is saying, or hear the, see the heavens open up and hear God speak these words to you. In either case, take a minute and see what happens if Jesus or God comes to you right now and names who you are.